From the Rose Garden is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices tend to drop right before a game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Sports tickets, theater tickets, concert tickets, whatever you want, you can find it on GameTime. Takes two taps to check out, and then you go. Game Time app, very simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Rep City! Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Hello and welcome to From the Rose Garden, your Portland Trailblazers podcast on the Athletic app and uh, podcast network. I'm your host, Dave DeFord, joined as always by my partner in crime and co-host, Jason Quick. Jason, that's your first time here in the intro, right? Yeah, a little Rashid in there, huh? Yeah, pretty great. I love the little like lounge vibe. Uh, Sasha, our, <laughs> our producer, did did a really good job with that. That's pretty fun. Um, so since we last talked, talked, not talk. Since we last talked, the uh, the Blazers are one and one. Uh, we we both thought that they needed a signature win this week, and they dropped their first opportunity against the Clippers. Uh, the score, you know, not really close. The game wasn't really close after halftime. Uh, would you take away from that game? Well, a couple of things. One, just like this whole week, defense remains a problem. It, it's We've talked about this, I think, since the start of the season, Dave, that this team defensively has not shown that it can play at a playoff caliber. And I think that's really concerning now that we're entering games, you know, 22, 23, 24. This is uh, when you should start figuring things out. So the defense uh, really concerned me in that Clippers game, even though, I mean, Paul George was, you know, playing like he's from another planet. Unreal. Unreal. (laughs) Uh, But then also I think it, it really shows how relying upon that Clippers game showed how reliant upon they are of uh, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard to hit shots. If those guys are having off nights and this is going to be a really, uh, it's going to be rough sledding for this team. And I thought they were competitive for about two and a half uh, quarters. And then, you know, I, I don't think it was so much the Clippers defense i you know it's it's an easy thing to write when you see that portland went six for 23 in the third quarter it's like oh the clippers defense really clamped down i don't think so i I think there were a lot of open shots that they just didn't make but uh that's the name of basketball or you know that's that's what this game's all about is putting the ball in the hoop and uh portland just didn't shoot very well that game yeah it sounds cliche but it really is a make or miss league and especially when you have a defense that isn't elite. You've right. got to make shots. I mean, this is what they depend on. This is this is the reason why the Carmelo experiment is actually working. 
because those guys in the games where they're winning, they are making shots. Although Carmelo is still making shots in every game. Yeah, except that Clipper game. I think he was two for nine. Um, but, you know, one thing about this, and, and we talked about it when uh, even before Carmelo got here, is one thing that has surprised me is Carmelo's defense. He hasn't been absolutely horrible. And a matter of fact, there have been times where he's been good, uh, where he's been kind of isolated one-on-one and he's held his own. Now, there have been times where he's, you know, guys have blown by him uh, or he hasn't closed out on shots, but that happens in every game to every NBA player. Absolutely. Uh, But he has, I I can count four or five times where he has uh, just played really solid individual one-on-one defense during a possession that has uh, helped get a stop. And I don't think anyone would have ever imagined that when, when he was signed here. So uh, he has been very good. I, I, I'm still really encouraged by his play, his well-rounded play. Uh, I think he's going to just continue to, to help this team. And it was no surprise that Neil Olshay said, all right, let's take the non-guaranteed part of this off and, and let's just sign him for the rest of the year. Uh, that happened yesterday. So uh, that's a good thing for Camelo, a good thing for the team. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was a big deal. And, you know, beyond just the scoring stuff, I mean, he's moving the basketball. You know, we talked about this mm-hmm. earlier in the week. He's not doing what you would expect out of Carmelo, where he's always trying to break a guy down when he gets him isolated. He's actually making the right basketball play. And then in yeah. that Clippers game in particular, I thought in the first half, his defensive communication, again, he was quarterback in the defense on possessions. Yeah, Jim Moran, one of the Blazers' assistants, said that in their eight years, the, this coaching staff with Terry Stotts, in their eight years, they've never had a player who talks and communicates as well defensively as Carmelo Anthony. And I thought that was really, really something to hear, uh, you know, because they've had some pretty vocal and um, involved players uh, throughout the years here on, on Portland teams. So, you know, Wes Matthews, Nick Batum. Even LaMarcus Aldridge, those guys were very keyed in on defense and, and kind of played that quarterback role where they see everything and uh, and talk. But Carmelo Anthony, according to Jim Moran, uh, is the best communicator on defense that they've ever had in, in the eight years of Terry Stotts. Uh, so they had a back-to-back. Their, their second game of the back-to-back was Wednesday against the Kings, and they got a yeah. win. Um, they, you know, they needed a win. The Kings are kind of neck and neck with them in, in the playoff standings. No way they could, they could follow up losing to the Clippers with a loss to the Kings. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, one of those wins where you just kind of go lucky to get that one. Uh, they did not play very well defensively, particularly. Um, and it was a, it was a really tight game. I think it was, you know, 105, 100 at one point, uh, in the fourth quarter there, and then Portland kind of just pulled away. There were some good things that happened. Uh, I think Hassan Whiteside continues to show that he's feeling better. Just the way he's moving and jumping, uh, just you, you can just see that he feels better. And he's a completely different player. And, you know, the thing that caught everyone's eye in that Sacramento game was Hassan had a career high seven assists. Unbelievable. His previous high was four. Unbelievable. And, yeah. And 
you know, some of them were very nice passes, little backdoor bounce passes uh, for lay-ins. So that's another thing that, you know, Dame and CJ have been telling me that they've been communicating with him and telling him where they want him in the offensive sets, how they want him to roll and where he can kind of attack once he has the ball. It doesn't mean you always have to shoot it on a pick and roll. Sometimes you get it and you read your options. So Hassan is becoming very much more, uh, very comfortable in the offense. And I, I think he's seeing things better now. And, you know, it, it's funny because there was a, a preseason event where they had him go to a boys and girls club here in Portland. And I hadn't written in a while. So I decided to show up just to introduce myself to him and, uh, you know, see if there was a story in there. <clears throat> we ended up talking and he, he was saying how he envisioned himself flourishing in Portland's o- offense. Uh, and he said, I could see myself getting a triple-double and assists. And uh, I laughed in his face. And I said, you can't really be serious. And he said, no, save this interview. I'm going to get a triple-double with assists. And, of course, I write the story. And, you know, all the Internet nerds mock me and, uh, you know, make fun of, uh, of that statement, which really is, you know. It was laughable. <laughs> it's kind of, yes. Yeah. And, and here we are, uh, you know, him three, three assists away from getting that triple-double. So I still think it would be uh, mind-boggling for him to actually get 10 assists. But as we saw uh, that night on, on Wednesday, that it is possible because there were, there were a couple other passes he made where guys missed shots. So uh, that will be a fun thing to, to kind of keep track of, though, throughout the rest of the year. It's important, I think, for this team to know that he can do it. Right. And, and yeah. he showed the other night he can. And it all came within the flow of the offense, which is nice. It wasn't like, you know, these were designed plays. So, that, oh, let's get let's try to get Whiteside seven assists. Yeah. You know, it was all well, flow of the offense. stuff. And that's the thing that I think I've noticed the most uh, in these last probably week to 10 days is that the offense has so much better. The spacing is so much better and the cutting is so much sharper and, and quicker. And so we're seeing better shades of Blazer basketball of years past where it's just constant motion, constant cutting, the ball moving, and it's a fun brand of basketball to watch. And they're, they're getting closer to achieving that for longer stretches of time. The concern, though, the bench is still just – it's a grind, and uh, they continually – are losing leads when, when the bench is in. And so we've seen Terry Stotts kind of alter his substitution pattern where he's bringing, he'll bench Carmelo Anthony for like two minutes and then bring him back in. And same thing with CJ. He's not given the, the six to eight or nine minute blows for the, for the star players. He's kind of shuttle them in there and, and getting quick, uh, quick shifts at times because he knows he needs to keep some of these uh, elite players on the court because the second unit just can't be fully trusted because they have such big offensive lulls. It, it feels like CJ on, at least on this podcast has almost been the forgotten man. You know, he started out, he wasn't yeah. shooting the ball. Well, 
But he's he's starting to come around. He's turned it on in the Kings game, 14 of 22 from the field, 5 of 10 from three. But the thing that, that you wanted to make sure when we were talking before the show, you were like, I really need to talk about CJ's defense. Four blocks in this game and a steal. Yeah. Yeah, career high four blocks. And they were legit blocks, too. And this is something, you know, we saw Damian Lillard go through this process where the nitpickers go and they go, yeah, but he can't play defense. He's terrible at defense. And Dame, two summers ago, made a concerted effort to work on his defense, study film, work on angles, work on fighting through screens, and he became a good defender. CJ is going through that same process now, but CJ feels like it's a label that for him that's hard to shake, that he feels like he has improved. Uh, So we had a a conversation earlier in the year, and he said, hey, look, last year during that Oklahoma City series, uh, in that game, the final game, who was guarding Russell Westbrook down the end? It was me. And the coaching staff, if you're a bad defender, they're not going to put you on Russell Westbrook. So he said that was an indication that, you know, he had earned the trust of the coaching staff to guard an all-star player in a playoff series in the fourth quarter uh, of a game in in the playoffs. So uh, this is something that is on his mind, and he is determined to uh, start changing the narrative around his defense. Uh, Again, you know, being being a guard and especially being a shooting guard in the NBA it's a lot like being a cornerback in the, in the NFL that you're going to get burned just because the offensive players are so talented. And, uh, but he has shown that he's in much better position. He's contesting shots more regularly. And against the Kings, he, he had those four blocks. There's some stat, I think, uh, somebody threw out there and I probably shouldn't throw it back out without being sure of it, but it's something like, he is either first or second in the league for in block shots for guys below six something, six four or six five. Okay. Uh, so something like that. Okay. It's like Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sasha, do you ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers? All the time, Dave. The ones that barely hit the shelves that you miss the app alert for? Well, I have yes. an answer for you. StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers. No Air Gordons here, Sasha. <laughs> Millions of people already using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan release, to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Bape, Palace, and Kith. Hey, listen, I know you've had your eyes on those fearless UNC Chicago Air Jordan 1s for a while now, Sasha. Well, you can go on StockX and you can pick them up. I'm getting myself a pair of those Bape Dame 4s if it kills me. I've been talking about this for weeks now. I have got to do it. And I'm going to use StockX because they ensure authenticity. Every single item bought or sold on StockX is carefully inspected by hand to ensure it's 100% legit. No knockoffs on StockX. And I got to tell you, as someone that's been burned by buying sneakers uh, from unknown sources, I appreciate the authenticity check. If you want in on all the hype, check out StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. 
That's stockx.com slash bball. Check it out. Uh, so, okay, I want to I talk a little bit about the story that, that you worked on with Bill Oram. Uh, the Lakers playing the Blazers tonight. Carmelo, yeah. LeBron, two really great friends. Both came in in the same draft class. Of course, Carmelo played a year at Syracuse, won a national championship. LeBron James, the most highly touted high school player since, what, Moses Malone? And, yeah. and back then, they didn't have the same – you know, I don't think Moses Malone was playing high school games on ESPN back then. So, I mean, you know, these guys, their their careers, it's interesting. Like, you, you could say they couldn't be more different because of the way that they play. The style of play was different. You know, obviously LeBron being yeah. this all-around, you know, ultimate team raiser and Carmelo being, you know, a bucket getter, completely different yeah. style of play. And, and then from the success standpoint – Carmelo won Western Conference Finals appearance and LeBron, you know, all of these finals appearances. And, and so it is, you know, when you look at the two of them, the the dichotomy of their career, two extremely talented guys, both Hall of Famers, yeah. clearly. Um, but how did you come up with this idea? Uh, was it your idea? Was it Orem's idea? I mean, it's our podcast, so you should definitely say it was your <laughs> idea. Um. You know, it It was kind of, you know, Bill a couple of weeks ago mentioned that, oh, that game's coming up. We should probably do something on, on Carmelo and LeBron. But as, as it happens in an NBA season and, and you're a beat writer, you just get caught up in the grind. It's like, you know, game, travel, game, practice. And it got to be that that day's or Wednesday's game, I was sitting here getting ready to go to the Sacramento game. Bill's in Utah. And I called him and I said, we should do something for Friday. How about we ask these guys the same questions about their friend? You know, I'll ask Mello about LeBron. You ask LeBron about Mello. And so I was sitting outside the Blazers locker room on the phone with Bill and I was kind of throwing out these questions, which what I thought we should ask him. And we kind of fine tuned them. And, but we both didn't know if we were going to be able to pull this off because, you know, both these guys are mega stars and it's so hard to get one-on-one -on -one time with a mega star. They do everything in a group interview and everything's just kind of regurgitated that way. Uh, I was, I was somewhat confident that I was going to be able to get Carmelo Bill was a little less certain that he'd be able to get LeBron, but his game was an hour ahead of mine because the Lakers were in Utah. And <clears throat> during the fourth quarter of the Blazers game, he texted me and said, I got him, exclamation point. And he said he was great. So he said, now the pressure's on you. So when I went into the Blazers locker room, uh, you know, normally I, I hunker down around Dame's locker, around CJ's locker, but I went to Carmelo's because I wanted to get in. And I wanted to talk to him before anyone else did. So when he came out of the shower, I said, hey, after you're done with the group, I'd like to get spend some time with you and get a one-on-one. -on -one. And he said, no problem. So he did the group interview and all that. And then I sat and I asked him about LeBron. And um, so then Bill, Bill had his LeBron stuff. I had my Mellow stuff. We emailed it to each other. And then um, – and then Bill did the the real heavy heavy lifting and, and wrote the intro and 
and kind of organize the quotes in, into a really nice fashion. And Bill did a, a wonderful job. It's fantastic. But, I love but it. But it was, it was, uh, it was exhilarating for both of us because we didn't know if we were going to be able to pull it off. And we threw it together at the, at the last minute and, uh, yet it worked and it's, it's two really big stars talking about, you know, stuff that goes beyond basketball, which is, which is always the most interesting stuff to me. And, you know, I am not a huge, uh, I don't know how to put this. I, I, I'm not, I don't live and breathe basketball. Right. You're not a junkie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have an appreciation for it and all that, but I didn't, and this is how kind of out of touch I am. I didn't realize how close Carmelo and LeBron were and, and Bill during the game, uh, emailed me Howard Beck's piece in bleacher report from three years ago. And if you guys haven't read that story by Howard Beck, it is absolutely phenomenal. He, traced the origins of their friendship to a hotel room or hotel meeting uh, when they were playing some high school tournament. Um, And they sat on these hotel steps for hours and kind of connected and and was the start of this friendship. But anyways, Howard's piece is just amazing. So I spent most of my, that game, the first half of the Blazers Kings game, reading up on Carmelo and, and uh, LeBron's relationship. And so I kind of had some decent follow-ups to be able to ask Carmelo, and I understood what he was saying when, when he was talking about LeBron. But uh, it, it's really cool to me uh, that these two have kept their friendship and grown and kind of leaned on each other throughout their careers. Uh, and kind of helped each other. So I don't know. I, I think it'll be really neat to see them uh, playing each other tonight. I imagine they'll guard each other uh, for extended periods of time. Uh, I, I think it'll be really fascinating and just kind of another layer to to their story and, and to tonight's game. Yeah. And I mean, the one thing that comes out is that you can see that there's a lot of love. Like, I, yeah. I love that. I mean, you know, I'm a basketball coach and, you know, you watch these players and their relationships with each other grow. It's actually extremely rewarding, even for a basketball junkie. Um, so, you know, don't, don't feel like you're the only one, Mr. Quick. Uh, yeah. There's also a great photo in the article from the draft where they just look like babies. I know it. It's amazing. It's huh? so great. I don't know. Did you find the photo or did Orem find it? I mean, no. perfect photo for this. It was Somebody from the editing team, oh. probably either Rob Peterson or Sergio. Probably Rob. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it so much. So it, it got me thinking. Um, in the 20 years that you've been covering the Blazers, like what's the what's the closest friendship? I mean, we've talked about Dame and Nurk and how you know Dame will take phone calls at 4 a.m. Is that the closest friendship that you've seen or, or is there someone else? I think – and Dame and CJ are also pretty tight. Um, Brandon Roy and Travis Outlaw were very close. Um, I'm trying to think of others. Uh, Damon Sotomayor and Rasheed Wallace were also very tight. They uh, went a lot of places together, drove in a yellow Hummer together. 
for people that don't get that reference, they drove home from a, a road game in Seattle in a yellow Hummer and got pulled over by the cops for smoking weed. <laughs> uh, very oh, famous. We got to do it. I mean, I, I don't know. Is Jailblazers a, a tricky name for us to play with? I don't know. Yeah, we, we're going to have to. I'm going to have to get some of those stories out of you as the season yeah. goes on. Yeah, that was, that was not a fun era, by the way. I'm sure. I'm sure it was tough. As a reporter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think probably, uh, I don't know if I've seen a a longer and closer relationship than, than Carmelo and, and LeBron just in reading it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the game tonight. Um, I want to watch them guard each other, but, but really, I, I think going back to what we said in in Monday's show, they need a signature win. This would be a yes. huge one. The Lakers are just rolling. They are decimating people. They're 19 and three. They need a win. And, and I think that they really need to win this game. I, I think this could be a statement game for the Blazers heading into Christmas. Well, Dave, the Blazers are one and eight against teams with winning records. One and eight. Their only victory is uh, the one-point victory at Dallas in the season's third game. And a lot of these games, particularly lately, they've been getting walloped. You know, the Clippers walloped them. Houston walloped them. Uh, They were competitive at Milwaukee. I I will say that. Uh, Toronto walloped them. So, you know, that's not a good trend. So you're right. One of these games, either the Lakers... Uh, they got Denver next week. They need to, uh, they got Utah the day after Christmas. They need to pick up one or two of these games and just show that, okay, we're starting to turn the corner. We're, uh, we're, we have hopes of, you know, being a playoff level team. Yeah. And they are only four and four at home and, and, and good teams take care of business at home. You know, the road is the road. But you got to take care of business at home. This would be a good one to get. Um, All right. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more from the Rose Garden. Everybody go subscribe. Give us a good rating on iTunes. Leave us a review if you like what you're listening to. And uh, subscribe to The Athletic. It's uh, pretty good. You can read all of Jason's amazing work there, including the interview with Carmelo and LeBron where they reflect on their friendship uh, that I really enjoyed. It was it was. It was nice, Jason. Like, it was just nice to read. Thank you, David. Yeah. It, it was kind of different. Yeah. I Listen, I everyone has more room or has room for more nice things in their life. And that was a nice thing to read. It was really, really nice. Just, I like right smiled on. reading it. Cool. Yeah. I loved it. So, uh, for Jason Quick, I'm Dave DeFore, and we'll talk to you more next week. You can't see me dancing right now, but I am. God bless and good night.